You're listening to What's Wrong With This Picture? Freaky Films and Why We Frickin' Love Them. Hi, I'm Lindsay McCullough. And I'm Gary Mulholland. And in each episode of What's Wrong With This Picture, we'll be looking at a movie we think is weird and wonderful. We sometimes do include the endings where it's key to what the film is, so please be prepared for that. So anyway, buckle up and join us on a journey to dangerous cities, suburbia and other fantasy worlds. It's going to be a wild ride. In this episode, we're going to be looking at Heavenly Creatures, a film by Peter Jackson from 1994. It's written by Jackson and his writing partner, Fran Walsh, and it's based on a terrible true story that happened in New Zealand in the 1950s. Making astonishing debuts are Melanie Linsky as Pauline and Kate Winslet, you may have heard of her, as Juliet. Honoria, Pauline's mother, is played by Sarah Pierce, and Juliet's father is played by Clive Merrison. It is 1952 in Christchurch, New Zealand, and a morose, sullen 13-year-old girl called Pauline is transformed when a beautiful and supremely confident English gal uh, called Juliet walks into her class at school. The pair form an intense friendship around their love of Mario Lanza, James Mason and romantic novels, and their hatred of Orson Welles and the stifling class-ridden culture of their school and Pauline's working-class parents. They increasingly depart reality and reside in a fantasy kingdom called Borovnia, and, courtesy of a staggeringly beautiful use of special effects, a non-Christian heaven called the Fourth World, where music and art provide pleasure for all eternity. When Dr Hume, Juliet's father, discovers the pair asleep in the same bed, he tells Pauline's parents, who agree that girls who are catching the lesbian disease must be kept apart. Amidst illness, abandonment, ugly teenage sex and parental adultery, the pair become ever more codependent to the point of obsession. Lindsay, what's wrong with this picture? I would say a whole lot is wrong with this picture. <laughs> and, and also, I think what we're finding is what's wrong with the picture is also often what's right with exactly. the picture. I mean, first of all, this is a, a, a terrible true story. And I know we've had uh, discussions before about some of the other kind of true story films that mm. we watched, like The Honeymoon Killers, a mm. 1960s film, where they depict real life, uh, terrible, terrible events. Yeah. And yet somehow... The, the film is cinematic and beautiful yeah. and appealing and attractive. So in that sense, these are these are terrible events made made palatable. Um, yeah. By, yeah. By, it's problematic in itself. By an amazing film. Yeah. I think the other thing that's weird about this film is that the flights of fancy that, that as you say, the girls kind of go on their their invented uh area, their invented kingdom I guess called Borovnia mm. uh, with Charles and Deborah who are their, their hero yeah. and heroine yeah. and their child Diello um, and yeah. they, they tell these stories and they become part of the film they are they are filmed so particularly sometimes in uh, traumatic or stressful times Borovnia will appear and it's a it's a, a, a land of meadows and mm. flowers and heroic daring do and uh, kind of knights as you say knights and ladies and and battles yeah um, and so these stories become real and if I was to sum up the weirdness of this film in a phrase that I never thought I'd, I'd utter. Can I just say plasticine men or cheap? (laughs) 
<laughs> you can say plasticine red orgy, and I know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, this is a movie that it was essentially Peter Jackson's qualifier to end up making The Lord of the Rings because his early yeah. career was really kind of slasher B movies yeah. and and very gory and funny and they had a cult following. Um, but um, but this is nothing to do with slasher, um, although there is a horror element. But the horror comes from a, a true life crime and it's based around sticking with what's weird rather than just what's great. Um, a relationship between two teenage girls which begins as something transformative um, in a positive way uh, where and, and a, a, a sort of friendship that is recognisable and that you can kind of imagine being exactly what you wanted when you were young, when you were facing, yeah. you know, a boring life or a yeah. poverty-stricken life or a difficult life. When no one understood you, this person yeah. would understand you. Yeah. And just how dark that might become and how it's it's one of the most chilling and beautiful moments in cinema when after uh, Juliet is is told that basically her parents are just going to go away. This is a relentless theme. The, she has parents that just abandon her, uh, basically go off and do something glamorous and leave her somewhere. Um, and she is so traumatised by the fact that they're going to do it again and she enters, literally enters a place, this place, the fourth world. The whole of the backdrop of what you're watching changes into this extraordinarily beautiful thing. The special effect is breathtaking. But the frightening thing is that she can pull Pauline into it with her. Yeah, yeah. And the idea that someone's madness can be literally infectious yeah. and passed on to someone else is a very, very chilling and weird idea. Do you think Juliet's the mad one? I think they're both clearly... <laughs> the characters in the film, we should say, this is one. This is two people's fictionalised idea of, what, of, of a real-life event. So it's not, you know, uh, these two women were definitely or these two young girls were definitely. But in this film... These are two young girls who are both disturbed, without a shadow of yeah. a doubt. But I feel that in this version, Juliet is traumatised. She is the one that has been traumatised repeatedly by being by abandonment from her parents and by physical ill health. And she, whereas Pauline, I think, is depressed, <laughs> which is slightly different. And I, th I do think, yeah, that Juliet is almost Pauline's gateway drug to something which is more, I guess, what we would now call personality disorder. Yeah. I, yeah, I do kind of see that, but I kind of see Pauline as, mm, yeah, let's, 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 let's think on that one, actually. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to make a, a definitive thing because I want to talk about the glory because what makes this film great is the performances of these two young women. I say yes. young, young women. Uh, Melanie Linsky was 15 at the time. It mm -hmm. was her first acting role outside of school plays. Mm -hmm. Kate Winslet was 17 
mm-hmm. and had auditioned for this, but they had seen hundreds of people, and they 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 had Kate Winslet. Uh, they they chose Kate Winslet, and in fact, I read that. Um, Fran Walsh, the other writer, had said to Melanie Linsky because they, they could not cast Pauline, and eventually yeah. they went they went round schools in New Zealand and just looked for people that yeah. they thought physically resembled the real life Pauline, and that's how Melanie Linsky was was chosen, and they showed her uh, Kate Winslet's audition tape, and they said, "And you've got to be as good as that." <laughs> and, <gasps> no pressure then. And boy, was she! Um, I, I think it's yeah. an astounding, astounding performance. Kate Winslet, I think, is great, and it, she may be more more familiar to a lot of people. You may expect her to be good. She's won several Oscars. She's been in in, in great films. She's had amazing, not just the big blockbusters, but she's done amazing roles in in films like Holy Smoke, yeah, or yeah, anything like that. You you would expect her to be good, even on her debut, and she's thrilling and astounding. Yes, Melanie Linsky is something else again. Yep. She is her face has to carry a lot of this 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 film. Yep. The glowering that she yep. looks around, the the eyes, her expressions. At one point, um, Juliet introduces her uh, to the music of Mario Lanza, mm. and the expression of euphoria on Pauline's face as she listens to this music, and she's just transported. Somewhere, and that, I'm so that's glad the you start picked out that scene. Dissociation, I think. I am so glad you picked out that scene um, because that's incredible. Because this time round of watching it, that I, I was that moment, I was really I'm blown away by. Honestly, please carry on more about Ms. Linsky because because I I agree with you. It's one of the key performances in in cinema, and certainly from someone who is as young as she was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to talk more about Melanie Linsky, the actress, a bit later on, the actor okay. a bit later sure. on. But I'm going, to, I'm going to just talk about the film and, and the mobile camera. This film hmm. starts with them running and they spend a lot of the film running. Now at the start, so it, there's what follows is that there's a scene at the start where they're running from the scene of a, of a crime and then the rest of it is flashback leading up yeah. to that moment. Yeah. But but throughout that film, they're running. They're yeah. running from their lives. Yeah. They're running in their underwear sometimes. Yep. Yep. They're running from Orson Welles in this dream sequence where they go to see the third man. And for some reason, they both hate Orson Welles, although Pauline starts liking Orson Welles, but then is kind of told not to by Juliet, so she yes. doesn't. So they have this kind of amazing dream sequence where they're being chased through the streets by an actor playing Orson Welles, kind of third man yeah. era, yeah. Orson Welles, which culminates in a kind of fantasy sex scene between the two of them that is also a real sex scene. Yes. Um, I should I should mention when they imagine Borovnia and these characters in their stories, often they are kind of life-size animations made of plasticine yeah so based they, based around Orson Welles and James Mason and yeah, Mario yeah, Lanza yeah so they have these kind of real faces but their animations they're plasticine and they're life size it's it's incredible it's to a, look at so it's just incredible yeah, to look at yeah and they they can they can access these fantasies as I say, at traumatic, traumatic times. So yeah. Pauline is forced to go and see a child psychologist. She imagines him being killed by yeah. Yeah. Dielo, who's the son of Charles and Deborah, their, their heroines, when uh, Juliet, who has TB, is in a sanatorium. Sanitarium? Sanatorium? Yeah. Sanatorium. Um, and she's being kind of patronised by this vicar who gets sliced head to toe by a plasticine version of Diego yeah. with a sword. Yeah. Um, so they can just access these incredibly violent fantasies. And these this violence kind of increases as they're, as they're going through. Yeah. So 
Pauline is in art is in an art class when Juliet's in the hospital and she's painting something, but she's just splashing it all over with this kind yep. of blood red paint. And then she goes to, she finally gets to see Juliet in the hospital. And Juliet's knitting her something. She's knitting her this sweater, mm. which again is a deep blood red. And Pauline just looks at it and says, Oh, I like the colour. It's like, yes. Yes, we you know, do. <laughs> we know you do. We know you do. So I mean it's it's yeah. it's it's a film that's that's got its humour, and at the same time we're faced with that kind of thing. This led to a terrible, terrible event. Absolutely, I think that humour is is really interesting, and it, it's a brave, brave choice um, on the part of Fran Walsh and Peter Jackson. Um, the early part of the film, I mean, Peter Jackson's take on this when he was talking about it at the time was that he felt that that the the research he'd done had led him to believe that New Zealand in the 1950s was a country which was obsessed with England and obsessed with it being English is good being English denotes being yeah. proper and and classy <clears throat> and clever and clever and that you know it starts with more or less with a scene in a school where all of the teachers are literally affecting english mm-hmm. accents yep. and and you know, and it's it's almost like an ealing comedy version of what englishness is yeah it's mocking it's mocking these people and you know the the minute that pauline is completely smitten by juliet is when juliet basically, who they are totally impressed by because yeah. she is the daughter of Dr. Henry Hume, yeah. um, who is English, and therefore she must be a marvellous girl, um, corrects the teacher's, yeah. corrects the teacher's French grammar. In, in a really patronising way. Patronising, well. obnoxious, bratty, self-important way, and Pauline's just smitten from that yeah. moment um, because... Everything that she has been depressed about, and we know it from without any backstory, is the surrounding adult world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as represented by her parents, who she sees as small-minded and, and sort of boring and monotonous, and the school, which she sees as superior and etc. And she's completely alienated from everything she's, going on around her. She's completely her. alone, isn't she? She's yeah. completely alone. And there's this lovely scene which... I, I don't know if, if it comes from real life or not. I'd be really interested to know whether or not it does. But um, a, a school photo has been taken and uh, this is before Juliet's uh, arrived. And Pauline's in the photo, she's in the back row and everyone else is smiling broadly and she's just staring ahead with this kind of impassive nothingness on her face. Yeah. And the, the photographer says, now everyone, let's smile. And she actually puts her head down. So actually yeah. what you see is this, she's got the shock of black hair, black yeah. curly hair. And that's what you see. And I would, I just thought, Fran Walsh and Peter Jackson have seen this actual school photo where it's smiling face, smiling face, smiling face, black hair of doom. Yeah. Nobody's, yeah. N- no eye contact, no smile, no nothing. And I, in in my head of how you write films, that sparked the whole film for them. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I love that idea. And I also thought this time round um, that her hair really struck me yeah, as well. Yeah. And that this shock of unkempt black hair. And I found myself thinking of Ring and, oh, yeah. and you know, yeah. and all of those films of that time from, the, from uh, Japan and South Korea, which seemed to involve young girls with long, yeah. dark hair that just went over their faces that were the harbingers of doom yeah, and horror yeah. and 
I'm not sure if that was an influence on on, on Peter Jackson and, and Fran Walsh, but um, there is something about her hair. And yeah. definitely her face is, it's somewhere between Dennis the Menace and Johnny Rotten. Yeah, yeah, she's got a real, she's got a real glower, and yeah. she looks out from out from out this hair. She looks like she could, she's seen through to your bones. Yeah, she's seen through every kind of hypocrisy yeah. that her parents are are spouting, every uh, inanity that that she has to kind of go through at school. She, she's got these, she's got this kind of X-ray eyes yeah. stare, yeah. and unfortunately, it's hiding a real. Madness. A, yeah, a real madness, a, a real malady, a nihilism. Yeah. Because um, um, yeah. you, you said earlier that, you know, this is a fictitious film based on a real event. Mm. Her diary entries that, that yeah. Pauline reads Good are point. real. Good point. They're from Pauline's actual diaries. They are. And they're quite horrifying. Um, I, I think we should say what the crime is, don't you? I th- I, I'm not sure this is a film you can talk about without talking about the end. No. Um, and, and, and you know what? It's a true life... Yeah, crime. So it's not a mystery story. Yeah, the, the 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 crime is is that Juliet and Pauline conspire to murder Pauline's mother. Yeah. They they see her as being the obstacle to them being able to kind of spend their their lives together. Run away together to South Africa in yeah. the in the short term. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, it's it's a crazy fourteen and fifteen year old mm. dream, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's a, it's a crazy thing that 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 this death will do this. And in Pauline's diary, both in the, at the time and and in the film, they call this the happy event. Oh God! They they call it Moida, like it's in films. Oh my God! Yeah. Wow. So this is and, and and this this comes this comes out in the film. So it's it's a it's a terrible. It's a it's it's a terrible thing. And at the at the start, I mean, some of the some of the dialogue. Um. So the. They kill Pauline's mother. This this happens at the mm. end, but it's referred to at the start um, with with rocks in a in a stocking. Mm. Um, and the real life murder apparently is 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 even worse than is depicted on the film. Wow! Um, but at the start, so they're they're covered in blood. They're running. This is the first time we see them running. Yep. They're running to get help because they've just murdered her. And Pauline says to the the adult that they meet, "It's Mummy. She's terribly hurt. She's terribly hurt. Yeah." Um, and you can't help but think that that probably was true. That probably was yeah. what, what happened again. Yeah. Yeah. This is the extraordinary achievement of this film, which is how do you make a terrible, terrible crime into a beautiful piece of cinema without being utterly tasteless. Yeah. And this is what Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh managed to do, aided greatly by Melanie Linsky and uh, Kate Winslet, um, that they, they managed to give these two characters dignity and life and three dimensions and make them fascinating without saying in any way shape or form that what they end up doing is okay yeah and and it's the the change of mood for what is the ending yeah is just so stunningly well done um that up at that point you're kind of watching it's almost like a teenage soap opera yeah, you know the, yeah. these two young girls that are, are 
in love with each other, but, you know, unhealthy, yeah. in an unhealthy way. No two ways about it. It's unhealthy. But you are still on some level empathising with them, you know, wanting them, not so much wanting them to be to be together, but wanting them to just be okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those real life things where you know what happens in real life, or sometimes even if it's a fictitious film that you've seen, a fictional film that you've seen before, yeah. you want somehow to avert the ending. You want their ending to be to be different. Yes. You want the ending for Pauline's mother to be different. Be completely different. she does not in any way deserve what's no. happened to her. I mean, she's, no. she's slightly neglectful, um, Pauline at, at one point is kind of sexually assaulted and then virtually raped by by their their lodger, uh, but mm. how Pauline presents it is, oh, he was so forceful, I had no option. Yeah. But this yeah. is this is a guy who's much older than her. She's fourteen at the time, and her parents kind of blame her. Certainly for the sexual yeah. assault, they, yeah. they blame her. Yeah. So they're flawed people, you yeah. know. But I think this is what's so brilliantly done by Peter Jackson is. They're products of their time. Yeah. They're products of the, the repressed yeah. 1950s, which had rejected the advances in feminism from yeah. the 1930s. That, that, that yeah. you know, The Second World War had brought all that to an end and it was aping another culture which was already repressed and it had kind of gone back to the Vic- Victoriana yeah. in terms of its, its cultural system. And mum and dad are, are a product of that. Yeah. Um, so, no, they... they you know, obviously, you know, there's a whole thing there which about deprogramming yeah. homosexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before anybody was calling it that. Yeah. You know, taking someone to a child psychologist to basically sort of say, you know, um, I'll find a way to cure your lesbianism. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's of course wrong headed and whatever, but you also uh, and it's a a, a great performance uh, by Sarah Pierce. Yeah. Um, she still plays the mother who plays on Honora Parker. She still comes over as a decent woman, yeah, just trying to do her best to love her yeah. child. You know, she may not, may not always get it yeah. right. She may not understand her child, but she's just trying to do her best because she doesn't understand, yeah, why Pauline hates her so much yeah. and rejects her so much. And is doing the things that she's doing, and and you know, if that was a punishable offence, then you know, ninety five percent of the parents of the world, you know, it's and and Sarah Pierce does a fantastic job of of carrying that over. Um, Do have to also mention Clive Merrison as uh, Doctor Henry Hume as as Juliet's father who is, you know, a very, very familiar character actor, you know, done an awful lot of television, a, a, a sort of person who you would recognise if you've watched British TV, um, and is always very funny in this very, very dry and deadpan yeah. kind of way. And he, again, has to pull something off, which is he has to be somewhat comic without making this whole thing into bad taste. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he does a great job. Yeah, I saw at the end as well in the the credits that Sarah Pierce is is listed as a kind of acting coach. So I presume I presume to to Linsky. Wow. Uh, was, wow. Was, was able to 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 help her. Um, yeah, I'm going to move on to Melanie Linsky now, if it. that's okay, because 
I know uh, she is she is one of our favourites, and often we will yeah. ring each other up and we say, "Have you seen that film?" It's Lins- got Linsky. Linsky's in it. Yeah, she is she is exclusively referred to by us as Linsky. Yeah. Um, this is uh, this is a note of res- respect. Honestly, yeah. I don't know why, but yeah, not Melanie Linsky. Yeah. Linsky. She is Linsky through and through. Um, she was on. She's so she's been she's been working pretty consistently since 1994, since since Heavenly Creatures. She was on her first ever talk show this year. Wow! This year, she's never oh. she's never either been asked or never done it before. She's in a, a TV show at the moment called Yellow Jackets, and she's been Emmy nominated for that. So suddenly, okay. Linsky is getting some love because Good. she has been Good. super neglected, kind of throughout throughout. She the years. really has, and and you know, uh, um, I mean, a perfect example of this. Uh, you know, she pops up and everything, like like yeah. Lindsay says. You know, we're always kind of getting times. You go, have you seen Linsky's in blah blah blah, but. A nadir, I hope it's her nadir, was um, I'm a huge, huge fan of of the very tasteless, gross-out comedy of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia um, and was very excited when she w- w- turned up in an episode and then she was just their straight man for an episode, utterly wasted. It was a complete insult. She's so much more talented than any of the people yeah. on that show and it's just kind of like oh, I hope she ha- doesn't do any more of that um, you know yeah I, I think this unfortunately has, has been her has been her thing she's um, so she had a very long stint on Two and a Half Men she played right, a, yeah. a kind of um, okay. stalking neighbour on that and mm. not not even Linsky is going to get me to watch that I'm sorry no. but she she was on that for 12 years and played that, that character God, yeah. really? but, in, but in the meantime she's so often playing the friend in mainstream movies yeah. sometimes the chubby friend sometimes yeah. the plain friend yeah I mean, she is neither of those. She has a she has an, a normal body, but has has said all the time that um, I think she was in Coyote Ugly, and she was kind of pretty much told, "Why are you so fat? Why why won't makeup stick to you? All this kind of stuff." Mm. So she's had she's had that, but when she's not playing the the friend in mainstream movies like Sweet Home Alabama, she's often the the kind of lead in indie movies. So yeah. I think she's done quite a lot of work with the Duplass brothers, oh, Mar yeah. Duplass. I okay. think they they made uh-huh. a, a sitcom together. And I think she's also been in some of their films. But you just whenever you see her, you just the reason we are so have you seen it? Linsky's in it. Yeah, yeah. Is you know you're going to get something kind of weirdly enjoyable from her, and she's yeah. gonna she's gonna. She's just going to stick out. So a couple of films I was thinking about was Hello, I Must Be Going, which is from 2012. Mm. And it's one of these indie films. So she plays a married woman who splits up with her husband, goes back home to her parents, has an affair with a neighbour. Nothing happens for two hours. The end. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if I've even seen that. Uh, we, we saw it. We saw it. Um, Did we see it together? We saw it together when we went to New York. Oh, yeah. Nice one. Good memory. Um, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. We saw that together yeah. as well. Do you remember that with Elijah yeah. Wood? That's brilliant. I love that movie. Yeah. Love that movie. So she's 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 in Can this. Can I flag up a, a Melanie, Melanie Lynch, somebody who got her? Um, one of our favourite TV shows, The Shield. Yeah. Um, she is used as actually, you know, a villain, um, I guess. Um, it, it, the Shield is a, a cop show uh, based in um, Los Angeles about corrupt police. Uh, won't bang on too much about it because if we started talking about The Shield, we'd never ah, stop. Um, my boyfriend. Yeah. Honestly, let, let's not get it. Seriously. <laughs> so, so, um, but um, there is a few episodes where she is, basically she is the partner of uh, a murderer. And... Um, what she does is is essentially manipulates one of the Shields detectives into believing that she is the victim. You know, the, the, mm. you know, she is as much a victim as as the actual victim. Mm. Um, and she didn't know what was happening. And and you know, and he she brings out the 
kind of daddy in him yeah um who was going to make it all right and in point of fact uh she was an absolute accomplice she's a complete she's kind of the brains of it really. she's kind of the brains of it and she's a total psychopath and she just mocks him at the end by saying sorry daddy um yeah. and i honestly think i'm not sure anyone could have delivered that with that role so chillingly yeah. as melanie linsky she smashes it out of the park yeah um there is a darkness yeah there is a darkness with her whenever she's playing someone nice and mainstream and whatever it, it it's not yeah it's she's hiding her lights under a bushel yeah yeah we and we love the the linsky lights But I think I think that that kind of rundown of what she's been in and where mm. you might have seen her in, you know, she's and she's in loads of TV shows. She's in that Mrs. America thing, you know. She's she's done tons. She's done tons, and yet, I think yeah. before Yellow Jackets, if you'd said Melanie Linsky, I think a lot of people yeah. would not not have known who necessarily have known have known who that was. And I'm I'm glad she's kind of finally getting her things. But it's it's like we you know we liked her before she was famous, kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. But. Um, she's, I, it's quite a similar thing, isn't it, to uh, Thora Birch and uh, Scarlett Johansson yeah. coming along in Ghost World, a teen movie, yeah. playing, you know, this amazing thing about their, their chemistry and etc. And you come at that thinking, wow, that Thora Birch, she's, she's going to be massive. She's going to be massive. And, you know, uh, yeah. Scarlett Johansson is, of course, massive. And Thora Birch was almost never heard of again, apart from American Beauty. And um, uh, there is, you know, Hollywood is not great with dark or with, with, with women i mean yeah and and with and with people who don't necessarily fit that that hollywood temp- stereotype template physical either. stereotype no. and and i should say you know we have we've concentrated a lot on linsky because she is our she is yeah, our heroine. indie indie dark darling but um Kate Winslet is also, she is also awesome. amazing in this film. Amazing she's in this film. She's absolutely brilliant and yeah i don't want any of this to come over as oh and, and there's Kate Winslet quite the opposite it's she's astounding uh, it's the chemistry between them um, that is amazing, and yes, you did you did watch it at the time. And think that Kate Winslet's going to be huge, well, because uh, she's amazing. As did as did as did Linsky, because uh, the, the, I've got a couple of quotes from her uh, here. So this is on 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 Kate Winslet. Mm. I adored her and admired her so much. There wasn't a part of me that thought it could have happened to either one of us. Stardom. <laughs> it felt like it was supposed to happen to her. She's a movie star. There's a glow. I'd never met anybody like that in my life. Oh. She <laughs> says, but. It was a little hard to have absolutely nothing happen for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, she she describes herself kind of throughout that period as the chubby character actor, the fat friend. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah. I I did wonder are they are they are they still in touch? They kept in touch after mm. Heavenly Creatures. She says, Linsky, our relationship was very intense, more intense than some love affairs I've had. This was after wow. the film, you know. They, they were okay. so into it. They yeah, wrote yeah. each other's letter. We wrote each other's letters. We talked on the phone all the time. But after Titanic in right. '97, so this is only three years after *Heavenly Creatures*. Uh-huh. Kate's life got crazy. Uh, we totally lost touch. I was staying with her at the time. After that, we totally lost touch. I admire her so much. She is so brilliant and so brave. I've literally seen everything she's done. Wow! Talk about grace. Wow, that is <laughs> okay. This is becoming. Uh, maybe quite rightly, the Melanie Melanie Linsky appreciation yeah. hour. Um, but I don't have any apologies for that. Um, I think um, it, she's uh, she's a perfect person to talk about uh, what has become more and more clear in the last four or five years of cultural discourse that Hollywood 
is based on abuse and um, mistreatment of women and has been pretty much since its inception and it's being more and more outed and finally some changes are happening but if you've ever read any books about film um, you will have found the passage where somebody um, that you greatly admire um, has been told that if they don't lose weight they're not going to get this part yeah. um, and um, often these are really thin women we're talking about yeah. uh, that, that there is a sickness yeah. in Hollywood's heart and uh, women like Melanie Linsky are the victim of it yeah absolutely absolutely um, just to return to, to, to the film um, so there is as we mentioned uh, a sex scene mm. very very sensitively done you know these were yep. two debut actresses they were yep. they were young 15 and 17 respectively yep. very sensitively done and it's intercut with the aforementioned plasticine men orgy because yeah. this is their fantasy world as well yeah. I, I know you've done some research into the kind of real life people and I, I believe that the real life Juliet said uh, that there wasn't any kind of lesbian element to to their to their friendship mm. um, but I remember something I read about uh, Charles Lawton, another kind of an, an old actor from Hollywood, and he was in a film where he felt there was an, an an incestuous relationship between the character he played and his daughter. This was outlawed by the studio, and mm. he said, "Well, they can't censor the glint in my eye," and I really feel that they can't censor, yeah, the the glint in Linsky's eye when she, uh, sorry, in Pauline's eye when yeah. she when she looks at at, at Juliet. No, it's it's a, she does an adoring look um, yeah. as well as anyone's ever ever done it in film, um, and and the way that those two fit together, as you say, it's it's not it's not um, you know prurient or sleazy in any way. It's about the way two human beings fit together, um, and they and the tragedy. Part of the tragedy of the film is that enormous, extraordinary fitting together can sometimes be really, really unhealthy. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. So shall I do a little bit more plot, and then we'll we'll talk about the ending because I'd really like to talk about the ending because okay. it's just so great. Um, so um, just to sort of wrap it up, when the Humes announce that they are sending Juliet to live with family uh, family in South Africa. And the Parkers, of course, refuse to allow Pauline to go with her. The pair consummate their romance and decide that the only possible course of action to prevent their separation is murder. Love becomes brutal violence. The two girls are immediately arrested. Insanity pleas are rejected and they are sentenced to five years in separate prisons. They are released on condition that they never see each other again. Those last couple of bits are actually on written uh, at the end of the, mm, the film. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, my research it really isn't any deeper than that. Uh, they really did never see each other again. Um, the way that this ending is shot, um, well, a third time I've seen this movie, honestly, I just cried and cried and cried. And it's kind of, because the way they do this is, um, and yeah, I, I'm sorry, you can't talk about this film without the, the ending. Um, the the crime it, they shoot the crime um, and the crime is horrible and brutal um, it, it involves hitting an innocent human being over the head with rocks but then they cut to a fantasy sequence that has been building up throughout the film 
um, which is a very romantic scene on a ship uh, with, you know, one Juliet being the person on the ship um, reaching mm. out to Pauline, who is on the, yeah. the dock. Except the angle of this one or the, the point of this is the ship is going and Pauline can't get through the yeah. crowd to get on the ship. And their hands are reaching out to each other and they absolutely cannot mm. touch each other. And then it cuts back to the murder and then it cuts back to that. And basically what you're being told is the minute that Pauline laid the first blow on her own mother was the end of their relationship. Yeah. And the end of their relationship genuinely meant they were never, ever going to see each other or be allowed to meet ever again. And... It's it's heartbreaking on every level. It's heartbreaking for Honora. It's heartbreaking for the them. And just how misguided <laughs> just just mm. how misguided this all was and irrational and uh, and just it's it's a really, really extraordinary portrayal of madness, I think, this film. Yeah. But but it it includes not just the violence of madness, but the fantasy side of madness, the, yeah. the, the world that you can escape to. Yes, the, exactly. The, the lack of reality, the, the unreality that you can, you can escape to because it's better than what you're looking at. Yeah, and I think the thing that qualified Peter Jackson from that film um, to make the extraordinary thing that was the Lord of the Rings trilogy is the choice that he made and that Fran Walsh made, which was... We're going to show people, we're going to have a go at showing people what this fantasy world yeah. looks like, not just telling people they live yeah. in one. Yeah. Let's do this visually. And it's seamless, isn't it? It it's really seamless. is seamless. It's, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, the effects, I think, considering it was 1994, mm. almost 30 years ago, things have moved on so much mm. in that time. But but they stand up. Uh, often often they don't, but yeah. but, but they stand up. Um I think it's a wonderful <laughs> film. I know we like to rate ours uh, yeah. for quality and for weirdness and yeah. generally I come up with some glib thing that's appeared in the film. <laughs> it doesn't seem quite right, but maybe it doesn't seem quite right maybe because this is a, a, a true story too. Yeah, so let, let, let's give it just marks. Just uh, marks out of 10 for quality and for weirdness. So, so Lindsay, you go first for a change. What, what's your mark out of 10 for quality? I, I really love this film i think it's it's sad and it's funny and it's marked by two in incredible performances i think i'm going to give it a 9 for weirdness i'm going to give it an 8 um i am absolutely yeah it, it's for quality um honestly i am such i feel so picky i quibble the only thing that marks it down from a 10 the music throughout is absolutely beautiful, but for some reason, when it's starting to get down to its sort of nitty-gritty, um, somebody decides to bus in some bloke playing one finger 80 synth. And I'm just like, what, what, what are you doing? I don't understand. <laughs> Why have you made this sound awful? Uh, so it's nine. And weird, it's eight. Um, it's, yeah, weird, it's eight. It, it, it is a very, very strange and disturbing film but it's yeah it's eight yeah it's eight nine and eight yeah absolutely if you haven't seen it 
it's a must. It's an it's an it's an absolute must. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just watch out for Orson Welles chasing you at the end of the cinema. <laughs> Till next time. Till next time. What's Wrong With This Picture is brought to you by Lindsay McCulloch and Gary Mulholland and is recorded by Russ Keffert at Audio Egg. Music composed and performed by Russ Keffert. Thank you.